to the lesson here today, so uh, go ahead and be turning over to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Trying to mix it up a little, keep you guessing. But uh, also with the singing, it was uh, great to sing together. Uh, we, we thought we would put a bunch of songs right up front in our worship service today. A lot of songs that had, you notice, had men and women singing separate parts. If you're visiting with us, we do uh, love to sing. Uh, you might have been feeling like, wow, we're... Even if you're a member, you might have been feeling like, man, we had to stand for five songs in a row. I, I seem to remember going to a lot of concerts where you'd be standing for like two hours and you had to pay 70 bucks to get in. So this was free and it's only five songs. So we can, we can praise the Lord. Amen. It's good to praise the Lord. Uh, we're in the middle of a series called Dream House right now. Uh, it's not about home improvement. It's about the, the, the home of God, the, the household of God. And it's about having the household of your dreams. The church being the household of God as well as your own family. Having the family that God desired, last, desires for you. Last week, uh, Marco talked about marriage. And this week, I'm going to be talking about parenting. You, you know, you might wonder, why are we taking two weeks uh, to study marriage and parenting? I'm not married or, and I'm not a parent. But hey, you know, the Bible has a lot to say about marriage and family, and so we want to make sure we're preaching the whole Bible, and we need you. If you don't have a child, or if you're not married, we still need you, we need your help. Those of us who do have kids, we really need you to be a part of raising God's uh, family together. So you're very important, so don't tune out on me right here. We also uh, have a, a youth and family conference, an international conference that's been happening annually that's here in our backyard in Long Beach this coming week. And so we thought it would be a good way to ramp up for the conference by talking about these things a little bit. Um, so that's what we're talking about. The topic of parenting can be a little bit overwhelming, especially when you think about one lesson, you know, to try to get everything there is to, to say about parenting into one lesson. It's not possible. And, uh, you know, parenting is a, is a type of thing where it's always changing. Just when you feel like you get one phase kind of figured out, then they change and you're on to the next phase and you have no clue what's going on. And uh, I don't know if you've ever felt like I've felt, but I have felt uh, kind of hopeless before when it comes to parenting. Kind of like, I don't know what I'm doing. I remember uh, just about a year ago feeling like, what happened? Uh, what, my oldest kid had just turned 11, and uh, we we're kind of into the preteen you know, territory, and we were having dinner, and there was this little exchange, and my wife and I both looked at each other kind of like, no, he didn't, you know. <laughs> and it was like, I got instantly angry, you know, go to your room right now. It's just like, what happened to our little baby boy, you know. <laughs> and uh, I just remember just struggling, feeling angry a lot, feeling like, I mean, I hate to say this, but like, I don't even like my kid. I mean, I love him because I've got to love him, but, you know, and I do love him. But I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't like him and that, that's not right. And just feeling this, like, tension and, and animosity and, and this anger and, like, I don't know what I'm doing. Anybody ever felt some of those feelings when it comes to parenting? I hope I'm not the only one. Well, I really believe that the, the Bible has the answers. And the goal of the sermon today is not to give you all the answers for parenting. But it is to point you in the right direction. To, to point you towards the solutions and to, and to get you to the right resources, because I'm just trying to figure it out with the rest of us. I'm not an expert. I've got three kids, ages 12, 9, and 6, 
So I'm right in there, you know, trying to figure it out along with all of you. Uh, but I do believe that, that, uh, that the Bible has some great answers for us, as we're going to see. You know, on Extreme Home Makeover, uh, you, probably, you guys have probably seen that show before. It's, all, it's a very family-oriented program. My kids love to watch the show. And it's always a family that, that, that the whole neighborhood, the whole community comes together to help. And every show begins the same. You first start with meeting the family. And uh, the title of the lesson today is Meet the Parents. But you start with meeting the family. And, and I watched this uh, movie just in preparation, but I'd see if I could steal anything from the movie for this show, for the, uh, from the show for this. And I, I couldn't get anything. I, I, you know, it's a great show, though. I love, you know. I wanted to put the volleyball scene in just for fun, but it didn't apply to the lesson whatsoever. So, But anyway, uh, at the beginning of Extreme Home Makeover, you always meet the family. And, and, and they always, they're a noble family, but they have some real issues. You know, there's always some medical issue or, or, or horrible crisis that they have. And I think, you know, that is the way a lot of us are. We're noble in, in the sense that we want to please God. I don't think you would be here if you didn't want to please God. Those of you who are, 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 are parents in the, in the audience here, I, I believe that you want your kids to grow up to love God. I really believe that, that you want to do what's right, but you have some issues. And I have some issues. And I love how the whole community comes together to meet the needs of the family. And that's really the environment we want within the church. That when, when you take any family from the church here and, and, and you examine it, you, you would see the issues. You know, if we, if we brought the video camera in and looked at your house and your, and your home and your family, there would be some issues there. But then the rest of us got to all rally together to come and help to, to, to raise each family to please God. That's, we're that community on, on Extreme Home Makeover. Deuteronomy 6, if you guys have, uh, have turned there already, I'm going to turn there myself. I'll give you a little bit of context here. Deuteronomy 6 is, uh, in the timeline here, um, God's people were in slavery in Egypt, and we've probably heard those stories, that, uh, that they went down there, Joseph went down there, and then the rest of his family followed, and they became a nation of thousands and thousands of people down there in, in Israel, and they were enslaved, and they were calling out to God to rescue them. So God sent these plagues on the Egyptian people, and, and, uh, and asked for the Pharaoh to let them go. And, and eventually, through God's power, they came out of Egypt. And, and God worked in amazing ways. They came out of Egypt. They made their way towards the Promised Land. They were about to go into the Promised Land. And they sent some spies out to check out the Promised Land and see uh, what the situation was before they went in to conquer the Promised Land. But the spies that came back, only two of them gave a good report. The others said, oh, we're scared. There's no way we can conquer these people. They, they are, they're going to kill us the, first, the minute we walk in the door. And so God's people as a whole rebelled. The Bible calls this the Great Rebellion, where all of his people said, God, I know you want us to go into the Promised Land, but we are too scared. We're afraid. And so what God said is that you will not be able then to enter. And, and you're going to instead wander in the desert for 40 years. And there's one little quote here in Numbers where he says, As for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them in to enjoy the land you have rejected. But you, your bodies, will fall in this desert. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lies in the desert. 
So these, these children that Jesus talk, that uh, God is talking about here, they grow up in the desert. It's 40 years of wandering in the desert. And then now it's their time to go into the promised land. So that's the timing of Deuteronomy. So Deuteronomy 6, Moses is talking to those kids. And these kids, it's kind of interesting that God's people made the kids an excuse for not doing God's will. You ever seen that happen in our church? Somebody make their kids the excuse. God doesn't like that. Here he says, you know, those kids you're talking about, you're worried about, they're going to be the ones that come in and said, you're, and you're all going to die in the desert. It wasn't a good situation. So that's where we pick it up here in Deuteronomy 6. We're talking to those kids as they're about to go in. And Moses says, these are the commands, decrees, and regulations the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you. And you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. The first point here is God wants generational faith. God wants generational faith. God says here, you guys are coming into the promised land, and, and, I, and this is supposed to be something that is, he says, for you, in verse 2, you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord. And he paints this picture of them, and then the next ones, and then the next ones. It's a generational thing. God is concerned not only about us, but that we pass our faith on to the next generation. And consider some of these verses. I'll just throw them on the screen. These are from the songbook of the Bible, Psalms. Psalm 145.4 says, One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. Psalm 78 verse 3 says, What we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us, fathers, we will not hide them from their children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power and the wonders He has done. Psalm 71, Since my youth, O God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. Psalm 102.18, Let this be written for a future generation, that a people not yet created may praise the Lord. You get a sense that God is concerned about generational faith, he wants the next generation to hear the good news and for it to continue on and on. This is not just a lesson and, or a teaching for the family ministry. In one sense, we're all the family ministry. Because we need everybody, singles, teens, marrieds, everyone to reach this lost world and to pass the kingdom on to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. There are a lot of dead and dying churches out there where there's only gray hair in the congregation. We love gray hair in our congregation. But we don't want it to be only gray hair in the congregation. We, we, we must, we must have a general faith that continues to pass on and on. In Acts 2, um, Acts 2, Peter is rolling out the kingdom of God, the, the new covenant, the church of Jesus Christ. And he says, he tells them, repent and be baptized. That's, that's how we believe that you become a Christian. You repent of your sins and you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. It's real simple. 
You know, you just stop what you were doing that was wrong. You change your life. You, you accept God's grace in, in, in being baptized, and now you live for him. So this, this is what Peter says. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now look at this part. The promise is for you and who? Your children. And for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. God wants a generational faith. God wants it to continue on and on and on. And I come from a family of general generational faith. My parents grew up in the faith. And they taught us from a very young age... Uh, how to, to love God. It taught us the scriptures. Uh, now, I was certainly lost before I got saved. Just like our kids will be lost before they get saved. But, but God sort of protected me from a lot of havoc that I could have wreaked on my life by my sinful nature because I grew up in the environment of the church. And I always knew it was the right path. And so my parents uh, raised us to become disciples. And, and, and me and my two younger sisters both, both became Christians. We both married disciples. And now we all three have our own kids that we're praying to pass on the faith to. Here's a, here's a photo of us there. Uh, this is my parents here. And this is one of my sisters and her husband. And this is my other sister, Holly, and her husband. These are all our kids, all our grandkids. And uh, one of my sisters, Holly, is actually here today. Uh, she, is, uh, she and her husband and her three kids came out for this uh, conference that's coming up this weekend. So I asked her to just share a little bit about um, what she saw in our parents that helped pass the faith on to her. So she's going to come up. Let's uh, give her our attention. Thanks. Like um, Brian said, I think the biggest thing was just loving God and loving his word. Um, I, I think that those foundational things are so important, and then everything else kind of follows you know can, comes together and i think that being grounded in the word was was so key and um one of the things that uh i know really made a difference was in teaching us the bible was teaching us why and not just like well the bible says so so but helping us to to think and to understand and and to build our own convictions about about things and um to understand why we were doing what we were doing or why we believed what we believed and um you know we would memorize whole passages of scriptures and i didn't realize that at the time i remember being um Early elementary school, I don't know, first grade or so, um, and being, you know, on my mom's bed and just memorizing verses. And it was later when I was reading the Bible on my own that I was like, hey, I know this. Wait, I, I know all of this. Like Romans 12, like we would memorize the whole chapter of Romans 12 without really realizing that that was what we were doing. And just little by little. And... Um, also, too, with, with memorizing uh, scriptures, I, um, that helped a lot when, when I was in high school and I was really struggling with my faith and um, having a hard time. I couldn't not think about scriptures. Like, any time I hear the word, therefore, I think, in view of God's mercy, we should offer our bodies a holy... I mean, I, it's, it's automatic, you know? This is good. And please, is God our Savior, he wants all men to be saved. And to, I mean, I can't not think the rest of it, you know, just from hearing a word or a phrase. And so, um, 
you know, memorizing it really got it in my heart and, and helped me to, to have the word with me and, um, to, to really choose the, the right path as I, you know, was wrestling with, with my faith. And I think also just, um, explaining it so we could understand it at, you know, whatever age we were. I remember, um, being very young and talking about Romans 8 and, um, the, when it says that he who did not, um, he who did not offer his one and only son but gave him up for us all, how will he not offer along with him, graciously give us all things? I'm sorry. Um, <coughs> and my mom had these combs, these really fancy combs for your hair that we always wanted to wear, but she uh, wouldn't let us wear them. And um, she was like, now, if I let you wear this comb, do you think I would let you wear my bobby pins? You know, it was like, oh, okay, I get it. You know, like, okay, if God does this for us, if he doesn't spare his one and only son, he's going to graciously give us all things. He's going to give us everything we need, you know. So to, you know, a five-year-old or a six-year-old, okay, that makes sense, you know. Um, And I think, too, just teaching us about who God is. Not, we, we, I respected our parents' authority, and we didn't, my parents didn't really use the Bible like, you know, an everyday discipline, like, Jesus doesn't want you to do that, you know. It, it was more just about God and how amazing he is and knowing all the amazing stories about him and, and building a faith in him. And, um, and I think that that was really key uh, for me and something that, you know, still 21 years later that I I go back to again and again is just that um, foundation in the word. Thanks. Amen. She's uh, she's awesome, isn't she? Thanks, Holly, very much. Uh, The second point here is it starts with your own personal devotion. And I, I really agree with everything Holly said, and you're going to see she just kind of gave you my whole sermon right there um, in, a, in, a, in a nutshell form. Uh, and th- there's, a, there's a phrase I put on the top of your screen. Unfortunately, you can barely read it, but you'll remember it. It is, you've got to live it to give it. Live it to give it. If you remember nothing else from this sermon, remember that, live it to give it. Because it really starts with your own personal devotion. Continuing here in, in Deuteronomy where we left off, it says in verse 4, Listen, O Israel. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. You know, uh, there was never an exception. There was never a, a, a chance to kind of be a part of God's kingdom, but do it on your own terms. Even in the old covenant here. Moses said, you must commit to God, what, wholeheartedly. It's got to be all your heart, all your mind. God doesn't accept uh, a, a sacrifice that, that doesn't cost us anything or that's, that's meaningless or that's our leftovers. He wants our very best. He wants our all. He wants our, our whole heart. And you see that throughout the scriptures. Faith, Christianity, does not work unless it's on God's terms, unless it's total surrender. Unless it's His way. And then it does work amazingly. Your, lives are, your life is transformed. 
And God's power is unleashed in your life. But not if it's on your terms. It's only if you surrender to God. And so it all starts, parenting starts with your own personal devotion. Your own walk with God. You know, you can't give the kids what you don't have. You've got to live it to give it. Do you want your kids to have the relationship with God that you have? Those of you who are married, do you want your kids to someday have a marriage like you have? Do you want your kids to, 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 to lead the same life, the same devotion to God that you show? And, and what would your kids say about that? What, what would they say is the most important thing to you? You know, someday, if, if your son or daughter is, is, is talking like Holly was about her parents, you know, what will they say? I'm sure my parents weren't really thinking about that, but they certainly lived it. We saw them live it. And, and what, would your, what would your kids say? Would they say, this is the most important thing, God and his kingdom and walking, that is the most important thing to my mom, that is the most important thing to my dad, more important than sports, more important than my own academic performance, more important than whatever, fill in the blank. That it's got to be that way. They've got to see you living your faith. See you sharing your faith. You know, my, my kids know we, we've got invitations and we share our faith when we go out places. There's, when, even from when they were little, really little, I remember Marshall being like, can I have an invitation? You know, and going over and inviting somebody. That's a really easy way to share your faith too. Send your, send your three-year-old over that way with an invitation. But you know, we, we, we try to let them, let them see it. I was with my son the other day and, and, and we were uh, we were purchasing an, an iPod Touch. You know, he saved for it for a year and asked everybody to give him money. So we went to buy this iPod Touch at Best Buy, and we we got a guy to help us and all that kind of thing. And so I thought about not sharing with with the guy, you know, because I didn't have a current invitation. I had the True Grit one, and I didn't realize on the back of the True Grit one you can't even read the address, you know. And it's like, so you know, that goes to your mind. Ah, just I'll get him next time. You know what I mean? But because my son was with me, I'm like. He needs to see me share my faith with this guy. And so I shared my faith with him. And then, you know, wouldn't you know it, the guy's like, oh, I've been wanting to go to church. My, my mom, you know, he just graduated from high school and he's working at Best Buy and going to college, certain college. He goes, my mom really wants me to start going to church, you know, and I got his number and all this kind of stuff. But it really is because I, I want to be a good example to my son who's standing right there. You know, we, we did see this lived out, I think, in, in my family growing up, as Holly shared. And it wasn't, I want you to know, it was not that my parents were perfect. It was not that they were perfect. We never thought they were perfect. I mean, maybe when we were two. You know, but once, once you start to realize, we, we realized they weren't perfect because they would share their sin with us. They would share their struggle. We saw them go through life's ups and downs. And, and that's the key, is, is living your faith. It's not being perfect, it's living your faith. Overall, we saw God was number one with my parents. His way works. We heard that over and over again from my father. God's way works. God's in control. I mean, he said that so many times. For their 60th uh, birthday, I wrote a little funny country song called God's in Control. God's in control. Oh, God's in control. You know, there's all these funny things that we went through as a family because we heard that so many times. Reinforce over and over and over again, God's in control. As we would go through ups and downs of life, just like we all do. Hard times. But we saw that He was the source. Your kids have got to see you hungry for God. Desperate for God and His Word and His people. That God is your source of strength. Amen? For the women here today, 
You know, women, the man is the leader of the house. We're going to talk about that in a second. But you have a lot of power in your house, in the environment of your home. And there's a scripture in Proverbs 14, verse 1. It says, the wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. You have the ability to tear down that house or to build it up. And so you are so important. And with the men, men, we are called to be the leaders of our households. We're called to, to, there's other people that could do your job that you do. There's other people that have the same talents you have or could fill other roles that you fill. But there's only one man God has chosen to be the, the husband to your wife. There's only one man that God has chosen to be the father to your kids. That's a very, very important role. It's more important than any other earthly role that you have. And you've got to be a leader. That that's, can be kind of overwhelming. It makes you feel desperate for God, doesn't it, brothers? Wow. And uh, there's a great song that I, that I found uh, this week called Lead Me. And it's a father's prayer to God, asking God to lead him uh, as he's trying to lead his family. So I asked Marty Voss if he would come up and, and sing that song for us. So uh, the, the words are going to be on the screen. Sherwin, if you could advance the words as he sings, and uh, then we'll continue on with the lesson after the song. I'm working hard, I 
tell myself I'll be fine. They're independent, but on the inside, oh, I can hear them saying. awesome. Third point, God, uh, God wants us to create a God-centered family environment. So it starts with you. Now, practically, what does that mean? How do I do that? How do I live it? And then how do I give it? You've got to create a, a God-centered family environment. Let's pick up where we left off in verse 7. It says, repeat them again and again to your children. He's talking about the commands of God. Deuteronomy 6, verse 7. Talk about them when you're at home and when you are on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The Lord your God will soon bring you into the land he swore to give you when he made a vow to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is a land with large, prosperous cities that you did not build. The houses will be richly stocked with goods you did not produce. You will draw water from cisterns you did not dig and will eat from vineyards and olive trees you did not plant. But when you have eaten your fill in the land, be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. You must fear the Lord your God and serve Him. When you take an oath, you must use only His name. What was Moses talking about when he's talking about this idea of, 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 of 
these scriptures. Talk about them. Repeat them again and again to your kids. He says, when you get up and when you go to bed, when you're in the city, when you're in the town, when you're in the country, when you're on the roads, everywhere you are, you're supposed to keep talking about these verses. He says, put them right, tape them to your forehead. Put them on your, on your arms. And the Jewish people took this literally. You'll even sometimes see somebody with a little box on their head. That, that's a little box that has a little scripture on a little teeny scroll that's taped to their forehead because they're trying to obey this verse. You know, I don't really think that's what Moses had in mind. What did he have in mind? I think he had in mind creating a God-centered family environment where you're, you're saturated in God. It's all about God. That's the target. That's the dream house is a house that's God-centered. And I think when we think about parenting, I think sometimes when you, the first thing that comes to mind is discipline a lot of times. You know, when you think, I'm going to go to a parenting class, oh, good, because I've I, I got to get discipline on right. I mean, how many timeouts, how long of a timeout, you know, how many timeouts before spanking, how to spank, you know, what spank for this, not, this spank behavior, this spank behavior, blah, blah, you know what I mean? We can kind of go there. And I'm not really going to talk about that at all today. I think it's important, and you need to get advice, and this is something, a great topic of discussion in the family ministry. But, but that's not what it's all about. It's not just about discipline. Discipline is an important tool, but it's a tool of this, creating a God-centered family environment. Because if, if parenting is just about stopping behavior that annoys you, your kids are never going to make it. And I think we can sometimes get there, like, like, they're bothering me by this, and so I want that to stop. So what discipline do I need to do so they won't do that anymore? Versus, I want this kid to go to heaven. I want him to someday be a disciple. I want him someday to marry a disciple and, and, and use his gifts for the church. And sometimes, you know, when our kids are kind of out there, it's hard to even see that, but we've got to make ourselves see that. We've got to believe that is the target that we're after. Because in a sense, you're competing with the world. You're, you're in a campaign with God and His teachings, and on the other side is everybody else. I mean, we're talking about the media, the whole school, their peers, their professors, their, you know, the, the world. Radio, TV, internet, movies. You're competing with all of that, and I promise you, those advertising executives, they know how to reach your kids. They know what messages will appeal to young people. They're thinking and scheming. How can we get them? And if we're not, if we're just like, oh, I'm just annoyed by my kid. Oh my gosh, help us. We've got to be on a, the opposite campaign. And we've got to make the gospel attractive, because it is attractive. You know what gospel means? It means good news. Jesus is good news. His kingdom is good news. And especially for kids who grow up in the church, they can take it for granted because it's all they know. And so they don't realize what is out there, what's really behind the facade. The world is kind of like Vegas. You know, you go to Vegas for the first time and you see just gold glitz and everything's lit up and it's so Amazing, you know, huge. You've never seen signs so big and so bright. You know what I'm saying? It, it, there's huge sculpture, this giant sculpture, this huge thing. And you're, I remember the first time being like, whoa. And then you go inside. 
You know, and you go inside and you look in the aisle and you see this like 65-year-old lady and her eyes are just just glazed over and she's just slot machine, you know. And she's been there like eight hours. You know what I'm saying? That's the real deal. And that's what the world is like. It looks so alluring. And so we've got to campaign for our kids just how awesome the kingdom is. How awesome Jesus Christ is. How wonderful it is to be a Christian. And yet I'm afraid some of us go home and we complain about the church. Or we complain about the preacher. Or we complain about, you know, this brother or sister. We can't do that. We've got to appeal to our kids. There's a verse that I had never noticed before. Psalm 8. It's super popular. I mean, probably the most well-known psalm. There's all kinds of songs based on it. I don't know if it was just a new translation or what, but I noticed this, reading this this, this week. I'll look on your screen. Psalm 8. It says in, in, in the beginning there, I can't remember exactly which verse it is, but it says, through the, and it's a new translation, new NIV, but it says, through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies, to silence the foe and the avenger. Isn't that an awesome verse? I never noticed before. We're in a spiritual battle. And, and this pray, our, our kids praising God, them starting early to, to understand Him, to praise Him, that's our, that's our a stronghold. Like Holly said, I couldn't not obey the Scriptures because they were in my brain. Man, I want my kids to say that someday. I want them to just be saturated in it. We've got to equip our kids to go out and, and choose what is right over what is wrong for the correct reasons. We've got to give them the, the equipping. We can't just tell them what's right and what's wrong. But we've got to teach them, how, like Holly said, how to think for themselves. We're not just trying to control behavior. We're trying to win hearts and minds and souls for Jesus Christ. So Christianity has got to be this incredible adventure. Not just a bunch of do's and don'ts. Don't do this, don't do that. Why? Because you go to hell. You know, it has to be, it has to be exciting. We've got to shepherd the heart. Uh, you know, and just to share about my family a little bit, uh, this is the main thing I want them to see is just us living out our faith. Is the Bible open? Um, going on prayer walks. You know, I, I, since a very young age, I, I've been taking my kids on prayer walks. If, if you're visiting with us, what a prayer walk is, is you just go for a walk and you pray. And, uh, you know, and so early, early age, I go for a prayer walk. And one of Jameson, my, my 12-year-old, one of his very first words was prayer walk. Because he knew, you know, he'd be in the stroller and I'd be walking him in the stroller and I'd just pray out loud. And it was cool because I could pray out loud and nobody thinks I'm crazy because they just think I'm talking to my kid. You know, my little nine-month-old, you know, here's my prayers, and, and we prayer walk over the park, and then he gets out and runs around, I pray some more, and, you know, it was just awesome, I mean, from the very young age, and then as they got older, I'd take them cool places, cool hikes that I went to, and I remember my dad doing that, you know, on Mondays, he would always go away to spend time with God, every Monday, he'd be gone, and he'd, and he'd find cool places with God in the mountains and stuff, because we were in Pueblo, Colorado, and then every time we had a holiday, he would take us to one of his special places that he found. So he'd go and find these cool places with God, you know, the cool waterfall or something. And then on, on a holiday, we all go to that, and we call it, a, you know, go to a special place. Man, isn't that awesome? 
You know, I want my kids to think of a prayer walk as being a cool thing. We're going to go on a hike and go be with God in the cliffs. And There's so many awesome places around here, all along PV, all along the cliffs, the beach, wonderful places. We've got to take them along. I think also just taking them along in your, in your routine. From a super early age, we taught all of our kids to be uh, pack-and-play trained. You know, where they can be anywhere and be in the pack-and-play, uh, which is this foldable thing that you keep them in if you're, if you're not familiar with the pack-and-play. You know, you don't like fold them up in it, but you unfold it, put them in it. It's like a playpen. Okay, it's a playpen. Uh, but, but, and then the little infant carrier. I remember studying the Bible with people with Jameson and the infant carrier, you know, just rock them a little bit. Just keep studying the Bible, rock them a little bit. You know, carry, bring them along on our D times, on our, on our life. They're, they're part of our life. They're part of our spiritual life. It's not like there's the church and there's kids and kids activities. It's all one thing. And we gotta, um, just talk about things. Talk about issues. I, I wanna play a little recording. This is something from a few years ago. So if you have the audio ready over there. Um, where my kids, we were in the middle of this conversation, and I happened to have my little PDA with me, and I just recorded this conversation we were having. So, uh, what happened there, Sherwin? Did you come off a keynote? Leave it on keynote. Sherwin? Are you there? Okay, yeah, there we go. Okay, so I'm going to play this, and uh, you'll, you'll hear this conversation. So I don't know if you heard, but Marshall goes, so do you come back out of the box? And then and I said something like, you do have another body, but you're like the angels. And Jameson goes, like the angels, awesome. <laughs> but uh, anyway, the point of that is just kids will, will make you get into your Bible. You know, if you just 
just engage them. Just take on the issues. I mean, we have these talks about dinosaurs and cavemen and creationism and, you know, what, you know, all this stuff. It's not just because my kids are these bright kids. I mean, all kids are really into that stuff. They want to know what, what about the dinosaurs? What about the cavemen? What about this? What about that? I think we can just be kind of, yeah, I'm a Christian. I know what I believe and I'm just kind of here. But our, your kids will make you Go deeper. And you need to. You've got to examine those things because you're teaching them how to figure this stuff out. I mean, now we're into sexual stuff and, and talking about sex stuff and talking about sex before marriage and, and keep, keeping, uh, keeping pure. And, and, and even my daughter who's six, we're not quite there with her, but she's like, we, we were just talking last week and she was like, she said something to me. She said, um, you know, I know that you've got to be with someone who believes what you believe. Otherwise, if you're someone who doesn't believe what you believe, then after a while you might not believe that anymore. That's from a six-year-old. You know, this is good stuff. We've got to engage them and talk about this stuff. That's what Deuteronomy 6, I think, is talking about. Just everywhere you go, everything you're doing, you're having these conversations. And I think you've got to, again, don't waste opportunities to be vulnerable yourself. And, and, and don't waste your sin, Mike Sanicola used to say. Don't waste your sin. Meaning, if you blow it, well then, there's an opportunity to show them what to do when you blow it. And, and, and so many times I've gotten angry or I've yelled and I've, and I've had to go back and say, I am so sorry, please forgive me for yelling. Please forgive me for getting angry. I, I remember one time, I was, you know, this was at midweek. For some reason, those midweek nights sometimes can be rough. You know, I've got three kids and Wednesday night and I, I want to get something done and it just doesn't go the way I want. And I was just so infuriated. And so it's like, I'm just, get in bed, you know, and just, they're crying in their beds and I'm so mad and frustrated and fuming and, ah, you know, the door's shut and I'm yelling and, you know, I'm just like, God, you know, just start praying, God, help me, please forgive me. So then I go back in there, you know, please forgive me. I shouldn't have gotten so angry. I'm sorry I yelled. Let's talk. You know, we talk about it. We pray together. I know that's going to, they're going to remember that. I know that that's better in a sense than just always being perfect. You know what I mean? That they see I mess up and I repent and I try to get back on track. And uh, I, I even remember my father, when I was in high school, you know, I was always late to my first period. My first period was painting and I was just always late to painting class. And I think it just drove him crazy because if you know my dad, he's like 20, 30 minutes early to everything. And the older he gets, the, the earlier he is to things. <laughs> and uh, so he's super early to stuff now. But uh, so, you know, this one time he was just frustrated me because I'm late and I'm out the door. And, I, and so I go and I had to pick up two other kids for school. So when I get to school, I'm pulling up in my car to, to my high school and there's my dad's van in front of the high school. I'm like, oh, you know, what's this about? So, you know, I park my car, I get out, I walk up to the van, and he said, Brian, I'm just so sorry. I, I should not have gotten so angry with you. And I didn't want you to have a bad, <clears throat> didn't want you to have a bad day. <clears throat> that was, you know, about, I was 18 years old. You know, that was a long time ago, 22 years ago or whatever. Uh, but I still remember that. Because he, he, he used his sin as an opportunity to show this is what you do when you mess up. You repent. Uh, just a few practicals to throw on the screen here. Lift up God and his way in everything. What's God doing here? What's God doing there? Experience miracles together. Talk about what God did or what God's doing. Pray for things together and say, watch them happen. 
My, my kids still talk about Michelle's mom all the time. They bring up Michelle's mom, how Michelle's mom got baptized. Because we got to be with her right before she passed. And we got to go to her memorial and how God gave her another year. And those of you who are familiar with the story, it was a miracle. And, and they still talk about that. Make home a safe place. Keep Satan away. We talked about this. But that should be the backdrop. Even if, you know, your kids will fight with each other. My kids fight with each other. I'm guessing yours do. But the, the backdrop should be, guys, we need to protect each other. This is our, this is a home base. The world is out there. We gotta make this a safe place and keep Satan out. The Bible open, frequent prayers, memory verses, as Holly shared. Uh, Romans 12 is, I mean, it's, it's gold. There is so much good stuff in Romans 12 for parenting. Uh, just this week, uh, Cora and I were, were focusing on Romans 12 because she has this girl in her class who's kind of bullying her and, and telling her that she doesn't like her. And, telling other kids not to like her, not to play with her. You know, she's so distraught about this girl. And so we're looking at Romans 12. What, what can you do? What should you do? God will avenge. Do not take revenge. God will avenge. God sees. God knows. What can you do? It says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. And so doing, you'll heap burning coals on their head. You know, you want to heap burning coals on her head? You do, right? Just be really nice to her. Really nice. Not sarcastically. I mean, just, you know. But it's, it's, it, we gotta open the Bible. Uh, another Romans 12 quick story. Uh, one time, Ro- Marsha comes running upstairs. He was like three years old. Comes running upstairs. Daddy! Jameson's repaying evil for evil! <laughs> and we're, we're like, but that means that you were doing evil to him first. And he, and he was just all, he was all disgusted. He was like, well, what's that verse for anyway then? <laughs> you got, <laughs> you gotta make each child feel unique and special. Special times with each kid is, is really important. Uh, I don't have too much time to talk about that. Control the schedule. I think some of this is from Albert, an Albert talk. Y'all, you might recognize some of these. Communication. Make the time to be with them. A lot of times bedtime is when they want to talk. I remember Al talking about that. And you don't want to talk. You want to get to work on whatever it is. But that's the time they want to talk. The family meal is critical. I remember the mains telling us, you got to get a table. We didn't even have a family table. Because, you know, before we had kids, we'd eat in front of the TV and just hang out and relax. Once we had a kid, we got to get the family table, the family meal. Have fun. Don't be problem-oriented. Create memories. Again, our, our, our home has got to be a God-centered environment. And family devotionals. With family devotionals, I think sometimes you can feel like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what verse to read. I'm a minister, and sometimes I feel like, I don't know what verse to read. I don't know what to look at. I don't know what to what illustration to use. But the thing I see again and again is you almost can't go wrong if you just open the Bible and you just start reading something. Proverbs. you know, just, Because a lot of times the conversation goes in a whole different direction. But, it, but it's, it's set off by the verse, and you have this conversation you would not have had if you hadn't had the Bible open. So just get the Bible open. I think if you're not creative and you don't know how to act things out, I've started just asking my kids, what, what do you guys want to do to act this out? And they come up with it. And when your kids are little, uh, the mantle said this, do the same family devo over and over again. They love repetition. They watch the same Barney tape over and over and over again. They like, do the same thing every week for family devo, but do family devo. Last, last point. Engage the community. Deuteronomy 6, 14 through 25. We don't really have time to read it, so just read it on your own. But what he's talking about is this community of, of 
of God's people. And that is uh, key. As I said before, the Extreme Home Makeover, we are that big crowd. You know when they say move that bus and there's a whole crowd there? That's us. we got to help each other. Uh, teens, we need you to be a part of building a legacy. You are a critical part of this. And it's not just about you and your own faith, but how you mentor the younger kids. There was a time where I went through a phase where I wouldn't hear things from my parents, but I would hear them from other younger disciples. And, and, and I, I know my parents were working behind the scenes to connect me up with other younger people that then they became the, the voice that I would kind of listen to for a while. You guys, we need you with the younger kids, teens. We need you. Singles and marriage without kids, they're empty nesters. We need you guys. Help us. You're part of this. We need your help with the, with the teens, I mean with our kids. And uh, for those of us who are parents, just a real practical thing. Ask your kid's kingdom teacher, how did my kid do? And then be humble and don't make excuses. For, well, he didn't have a nap or he's a little sick. Just, just, just take, the, take what they say and be humble and be ready to accept the answer. Uh, you know, with, with the, the story I told at the beginning uh, of the lesson where I felt really hopeless last year, uh, that totally changed. I got, I got some really great help from the Plymouths. Uh, you know, they had already been through it with their kids. And, and I prayed a lot about it. I went to youth camp. I mean, my primary reason for going to youth camp was I want to figure out this preteen thing. I want to know how to connect with my kid. And it was amazing. I was a counselor, and I was so exhausted. <laughs> I mean, but it was so good for my soul. And to see all these preteens praising God and singing and reading the Bible and engaging, it made a huge difference. We are so blessed to have the preteen ministry, you guys. To have the Toomeys. Really appreciate you guys, Toomeys. Really appreciate the preteen ministry. I mean, it made a huge difference. Amen. It made a huge difference, not just in my kid, but in how I connect with my kid. And I really feel like I really like them. Not just love him, but I really like him. And I like the stage. I had to get over, I don't have a little kid anymore, but I really like this stage. And I'm enjoying it, and it's fun. And, and I, that would not have happened without a lot of help. From the youth camp, from, from the preteen folks, from the Plymouths. Right now, the Marichis are helping us with a lot of stuff. And I'm so grateful for our friendship with them because they've already gone through it. And I'm really grateful for the Pelizzeris and, and the Mains years before. But you've got to have some other people in this community that help you with your kids. And you've got to be humble. It's hard to hear about your kids. And those of us who have been around for a while, we've seen Satan use people's kids to divide families, to divide the grown-ups. I mean, kingdom like grand poobahs. You know, huge kingdom leaders, their kids start having problems, and suddenly there's a rift. Satan wants to use our kids. We can't let him. We've got to be humble. With the fosters, we have a great friendship, and our kids are the same ages, and so sometimes, you know, we've got to be humble with each other because our kids get into it, and then we've got to stay humble with each other. But it's all good. Um, there's some resources here that uh, I'm going to leave up here. I brought 50 copies, but just a lot of really great books. These are books that have changed our life forever. Ever, And uh, so I'm going to leave these copies up here and I'll email them to you as well. We're going to take communion here. And uh, before we do, I want to focus on the words of this song we're going to sing in a second. Glory be to Jesus, who in bitter pains poured for me the lifeblood from his sacred veins. You know, may we bring glory to Jesus in our homes and in our church community. May we lift him up, bring him glory for what he did for us. 
The next verse says, Grace and life eternal in that blood I find. Blessed be his compassion, infinitely kind. Jesus is the answer. He is the, the way to get into heaven, the way to get eternal treasure. And we've got to pass that on to the next generation. Oft as it is sprinkled on our guilty hearts, Satan in confusion, terror struck, departs. I love that verse. Don't you want to see Satan flee from your household? Just because you, 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 you lift up Jesus and you see him run away, terror struck. And the last verse, lift ye then your voices, swell the mighty flood. Louder still and louder praise the precious blood. As our voices join in song, as our lives join together in, in building the family of God together for his glory. Let's all be a part together of raising awesome kids in our generation. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time to uh, reflect on what you had to say about parenting in the book of Deuteronomy. Thank you that we could be a part of a community that lifts up Jesus. And I pray right now as we take communion, we can meditate on these words. That he is the answer, that he has given all so that we could have eternal life with you. May we lift him up in our homes, may we lift him up with our kids, and may we reach more and more souls for you. Thank you for this opportunity to, to take his, this bread which symbolizes his body and this fruit of the vine which symbolizes his blood and to take communion together. May you bless this time of meditation. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.